0: Hello my name is Adam Eason, welcome to episode 31 of Hypnosis Weekly. Hypnosis friends, and a warm welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Once again, in my own highly biased opinion, I think I have a thumping, back of the net screamer of a show lined up for you today. Many thanks for the feedback, messages, retweets and comments regarding last week's bumper edition. We returned with a splash. Uh, We got a lot of love for that uh, edition. Many of you needed several sittings to listen to it all and many of you managed to listen to it more than once to really take it all in. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you all taking the time to get in touch with me. Many thanks. I'll see if I can organize a similarly formatted edition for our next anniversary. In a short while, I'll be sharing with you an interview with hypnotherapist and sports specialist Glenn Gowdy. Then I'll be looking at the hypnosis in the news stories, examining the media where hypnosis has featured. I'm going to offer up some personal subjective commentary on the ways hypnosis is portrayed in the media, but also comment on some of the content of those media stories. We then return with our professional discussion with my guest Glenn Gowdy this week. We shall be exploring how Glenn incorporates hypnotherapy into his work with sports teams and individuals for enhanced performance. We'll round things off with this week's hypnosis factoid before I bid you farewell for another week. As I say at the beginning of every Hypnosis Weekly episode, this podcast is something that I want to encompass a feeling of embracing diversity, celebrating the field of hypnosis and encouraging friendly, professional, enjoyable discussion and debate, as well as doing its best to inform and educate. I do not share the same stance as most of our guests and at times have major differences in approach and leaning but all are incredibly lovely people who I'd happily talk with until late in the pub, and all of whom, following their time here on Hypnosis Weekly, I have a great deal of respect for. If you have questions, queries, thoughts or feedback, do get in touch via the Hypnosis Weekly website, all the references made in the discussions, along with related links, are posted at each episode on the website www.hypnosis-weekly.com. That's hypnosisweekly with a hyphen in the middle.com. You can add your thoughts, comments, and make any suggestions there too. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and anywhere else to help us reach more of the hypnosis community. It's greatly appreciated. So first of all today is this week's interview. I'm delighted to be welcoming Glenn Gowdy to Hypnosis Weekly. One of my favourite ever classroom memories from teaching throughout the years involved Glenn. On the final module of a course he attended, I gave him permission to have the final day's football games on during class as he was an avid Manchester City football fan, a real fan. It was an incredibly tense and enthralling end to the course and that game as a result. Manchester City scored twice in the final two minutes and when Sergio Aguero scored the winner, Glenn jumped up out of his seat, hugged me and we did a little jig in the middle of my classroom. Since then we've exchanged bragging rights with the cricket as England and Australia have battled it out for the Ashes, though I resisted the urge to mention the recent Ashes test series whilst interviewing him and discussing stuff with him here. I've continued to have a keen interest in Glenn's work. He gave an impressive and highly enjoyable presentation at the Hypnotherapist Peer Support Group that I run in Bournemouth, and I liked it so much that I invited him to be my guest here on Hypnosis Weekly. We'll be discussing that part of Glenn's work later on. For now though, get comfy my friends, turn up the volume, sip on your tea. Enjoy this week's interview. So as I've just been discussing, I'm delighted uh, to be welcoming as my guest here on Hypnosis Weekly this week, uh, Glenn Gowdy. Welcome, Glenn. Thank you, Adam, for having me. So um, um, let's let's tuck straight in. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into this field? You know, um, and what's your background and how have you arrived at where you are now?
1: OK, Adam, uh, it was around probably 2004, um when I had to deal with a stress related illness that stopped me in my tracks. I was playing a game of cricket. Mm. Um and I played cricket for many, many years. And I got out into the middle and my body just froze. I couldn't think straight. I couldn't move um and was was quite unwell. Had to had to sort of stop playing playing the game and actually stop playing for the rest of that season. Mm. Um and I went and actually had some tests done at the hospital for, for various things and and they linked it to a, a stress related illness, mm. so from that, I sought um, a variety of of help from from various sort of therapies and and I w- actually went and saw a hypnotherapist yeah. uh, who pretty much completely sort of transformed um, my illness but also also my life and and my outlook on life and it's from that oh. where I became interested in, in looking to help help others, yeah yeah uh, I guess during um, most of my my own sporting career I was prone to periods of self doubt and and worry um, and you know looking to get into hypnotherapy I became sort of really sort of interested in how I could help uh, others overcome similar challenges to myself yeah um, my own challenges came about from from the belief that I had to be that had to be the best that i could be uh, and if I failed, I was letting people down i 'd always always played sport and and Positions where um, it was quite important. As a footballer, I played in goal, so that's right, an important yeah. position. So um, linked with that, there's a lot of sort of anxiety and nerves. Um, obviously, as a, as a batsman in a cricket team, you become quite anxious about your your ability and whether you're making runs and whether you're helping the team. Mm. Uh, and I played golf as well to quite a, quite a decent standard as well. So them three sports obviously placed... Um, you know, a lot of nerves on 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 my ability, and and I placed a lot of my self esteem and self worth in my in my sports performance.
0: That's um, really interesting.
1: Yeah, and and that Adam led to some quite wonderful highs, but yeah. also you can imagine some quite depressing lows.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, One of the things that I I I think a lot of people take it for granted, the sort of um, emotional and psychological experience of the sports people when you see them um, on television, especially, you know, high profile sports people. Um, So that's that's very interesting to hear. Mm -hmm. Um, um, So so, you know, you then started working with hypnosis, with hypnotherapy. Tell us a little bit about your stance on it you know um um, tell us a little bit about you know how do you define hypnosis and how did you arrive at that definition and is there a particular way in which you explain hypnosis to your clients um um, um, in particular you know i i I wonder and i'm interested if you do anything differently based upon the fact that these are sports people a lot of sports people that you work with
1: um i admire admire sort of the the academics that are able to debate the definition of hypnosis in regards to the, you know, the unconscious and the, and the conscious mind. Um, and obviously, you know, we're aware of the, the, the different different theories um, around hypnosis. Um, you know, I've heard hypnosis being described as, you know, guided discovery and enhanced imagination and focus yeah. and, and sort of a greater receptiveness to suggestions. Um, but, yeah, but for me, it really, what sits well with me is that, heightened receptiveness of you know suggestibility linked with a positive intention so as long as the right. hypnosis is used with a positive intention uh, it, it creates an opportunity to to allow us to tap into areas of distress or need or wonder for that matter mm. um and allow the mind to discover new and you know more resourceful patterns of of thinking and and, and behaving
0: yeah 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 um um. Uh, I really like that. And, and I like the way um, I think I think I, I'm in that mindset at the moment because I know we're going to be talking about sports related applications um, of hypnosis later. I think um, I'm just relating everything you say to sports and I probably ought to just just sort of sidle away from that a little bit. Um, and, but but I see in particular how that could be so beneficial um, and understanding for people engaged in, in sports. Um mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit, um, Glenn, who, who are the major, your, your major influences in this field? You know, are there some books and authors that have taught you um, greatly and um, 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 things that have been most influential upon you um, and perhaps, perhaps both, both hypnosis and in relation to some of the sort of sports psychology and, and things like that as well?
1: hmm. Yeah. Uh, in regards to hypnosis, it's um, actually um, one of the, one of the, the people that got me into that was, um. A chap called Paul McKenna. Um, yes. I was uh, I was quite I was quite ill actually. In, in about around 2010, I had a horrible ear infection which which laid me up quite a bit. And he's um, he had a program on on Sky at the time, which was which was based around sort of helping people with phobias and health conditions. And I I really enjoyed. It. I really got into it. And um, from that, I, you know, was was just uh, you know, in a sort of a casual. Basis studying NLP um, and and some of the other techniques that that he used uh, to help people. Yeah. Um, fr- from that, I actually went and studied uh, thought field therapy, right? Um, which was one of the one of the uh, the tapping the tapping techniques. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I'd probably say from from a hypnosis stand standpoint, Paul McKenna was was one of the one of the first people that I. Sort of got studying and, and got interested in, in hypnosis. Mm. Um, in terms of NLP, there was um, a chap by the name of Tony Robbins, who I'm sure you've yeah. you've heard of, um, and his uh, his books led me down that path of NLP, um, and I still still you know tap into uh, a number of his works um, and use them with with my clients in a, in, in the sports um, the sports areas. Uh, in, in terms of in terms of linking hypnosis with sports coaching, sports performance, and and sports psychology, uh, I admire the work of, of Donald Diggit. Um, yeah. he's got a book called Sports Hypnosis, which yeah. is a, a wonderful resource. Um, and along with that, there's two uh, sports um, science uh, professors. One called Dr. Jamie Barker, who works from Stafford University. Yeah. He's done a lot of research on the effects of hypnosis, in improving technical refinement for sports people. Mm. Um, And he also um, wrote a book with a a chap by the name of Dr. Stuart uh, Cotterell from the University of Winchester, um, which was called The Psychology of Cricket, um, which also I use as as a little bit of a template for a lot of the work I do with cricketers.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, um as a, as a runner and somebody with, with with really keen interest in in all aspects of running, um, the applications of hypnosis with regards to um, advancing my my technique, my running style, and things like that, um, absolutely fascinate, but also thrill me. Um, um I, I I love hearing about that stuff. Um, tell me, Glenn, what have been some of the, the most impressive um, um application? Of, of hypnosis that you've that you've directly witnessed
1: well I was very fortunate to to have my own personal experiences from from hypnosis and hypnotherapy having yeah. been worked with a work with a therapist yeah um and and saw that not only in, in terms of my you know my sporty mindset but also in in my own personal life um I'm always amazed when I see how uh, hypnosis works with with phobias, and how quickly a client can move on to to living without a fear or a hindrance, or carrying that that phobia with them on a daily basis. Mm. Um, you know, outside of you know the sports setting that I work in, I've in, I've also worked with with clients on a variety of phobias, and it's you know I've had people who have avoided flying for twenty years who now travel you know consistently on business uh, six times a year and have yeah. uh, have fantastic. Um, experiences, um, you know, within a sporting, sporting context, um, I've seen, you know, golfers break their handicap on a consistent basis as a result of using hypnosis to, to help with anxiety and help with, with confidence. And I've seen, you know, I've seen batsmen, um, who have gone through periods of, of perhaps not missing out on making runs. Actually, enjoying really, um, you know, really strong spells of making runs as their focus and attention has improved using using hypnosis. Mm. Um, and, and equally with that, within your within your um, within your classes, I've, I've seen a number of applications that you've used and um, you know have really enjoyed how how you've applied them and how the power of suggestion has, has worked with um, the various things that you've done yourself.
0: Mm. Mm um um that's uh, you know uh, all of this is is real music to my ears um um just just if we were to sort of wind things back a little bit you know when you when you were sort of starting out and knowing what you know now um um is there anything that you'd do differently is there an, any advice Um, the person that you are today would give the the younger you stepping out into this field Um, and would you would you mind extending that advice to any hypnotherapists that are tuning in here today yeah, it's a,
1: that's a a really good question, Adam. Uh, I'm actually really quite happy that the way that that things have turned out for me. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm in a, in a lovely position with with my career and and the work I do in within um, sports hypnosis and hypnotherapy. Mm. Um, I am a big believer in in doing your apprenticeship though, and, and and it does take time to develop your your network and your client base. Um, you know, and also as well as working on things outside of running a hypnosis practice, such as your marketing and writing uh, research and, and your study. Yeah. Um, along with that, I'd probably suggest that, you know, you look to Im- improve your ability to sell yourself within the profession of, of hypnotherapy. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm a big believer that the, as, as therapists, we are, we are the brand. Um, you know, we are, we are selling hypnosis to to others, but also we are mirroring that, displaying that ourselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Being a good example of what we... Of, of of what we extol and and what 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 we what we communicate about. In, um,
1: if so, yes. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, um, you made a couple of references earlier um, that really piqued my interest. Um, tell me, with regards to evidence based, what do you what are your thoughts about evidence based approaches to hypnosis?
1: Yeah, that the the evidence based uh, you know approach validates the credibility of of our field. Um, you know, there are some. Some quite lengthy research that's taking place in in hypnosis and hypnotherapy, in in health research and um, in you know anxiety and and confidence issues. Where where it it's it's lacking in my view, it's is in the the field of sports. Um, you know, in in the sports coaching environment that I that I work in, um, a lot of players you know they're not too fussed about you know my credentials or my qualifications or the studying that I, that I've done all they care about is what makes them a better a better player yeah um, and I, I think the the field of sports psychology is 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 paramount to what we do in sports hypnosis. Yeah. Um, I think if we can form tighter links with the sports psychology community, that will allow us to to enable a, you know a greater depth of research and evidence behind you know, the effectiveness of hypnosis in improving sports performance. Mm. I think the more and more sports psychologists testing um, and, and practicing hypnosis in their research, I don't think it'll be too long before we have some really, you know, positive outcomes within sports hypnosis and within the sports psychology community.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, I have a major dream, and that is that I'm um, um, to work with an elite runner who, who becomes the first man to dip under two, uh, a two-hour marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, it's very unlikely, I gather, but, but you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm dreaming about it. I'm dreaming about it. Um, um, tell me, Glenn, um, And people that are tuning in, where can they go to learn more about your work, your approach, and um, um, what, what you offer?
1: Okay, Adam, I have two websites where your listeners can, can follow and, and learn more about my work. Um, my hypnotherapy site is www.ggaudyhypnotherapy.co.uk, yeah. and that's my that's my site where um, people can can read my blog um, and find more more about me. Yeah. Um, and I also have a, a website hosting sports related hypnosis MP3s and articles, which is called The Effective.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and your listeners can find that at
0: www.theeffective, which is all one word. Yeah. Uh, co.uk. The UK And for anybody listening, there will be links to both of those sites um, um, on the Hypnosis Weekly webpage for this episode. Um, Glenn, that's wonderful. Thank you very much indeed for that. Um, um, we will be back with Glenn Gowdy in just a few minutes' time, and we're going to discuss sports applications as far as hypnosis is concerned. Looking forward to that. Thanks for now, Glenn. <music> Great stuff. Really enjoyed that. We'll be back with Glenn for our professional discussion shortly. Now, let's have a look at this week's hypnosis in the news. I have two recent stories, both featuring stars of the popular music world and pop culture world. Um, first up, I have an article in the regular column at the Huffington Post, their Wise Words column, entitled Scroobius Pip on Tackling Insomnia, Negativity and the Best Advice He's Ever Received spoken word artist, Scroobius Pip, uh, who first came to sort of public attention uh, due to his music. He's a, he's a rapper. Um, um, but since then, he sort of turned his hand to a wide range of different things. Uh, he's been in films, uh, features and DJs at club nights and performs uh, uh, radio shows and uh, has a very popular podcast as well. Now he's currently preparing to host Best of All's Satin Lizard Lounge which is going to play host to a wide range of spoken word artists of which is what, what, what he, how he is described these days. Now in the article uh, the Huffington Post where, that he's interviewed in he he's asked the question what do you do to switch off from the world and his replies as such. Day to day, it's tough. I suffer quite a bit from insomnia, so I'm not the ideal person to ask this. But I sometimes do self-hypnosis of an evening, which is something I was taught to do when I had hypnosis to try and help with my stutter. It's breathing techniques and specific thought routines. Other than that, it's just TV and music like everyone else. So yes, indeed, Scroobius Pip is a self-hypnotist, and that pleases me. Our second news story entitled uh, over at the, the Daily Mirror entitled Sam Smith tells how he cured his OCD with hypnosis at GQ Awards. So he's had number ones all over the world. He's had awards presented to him all over the world. He's had adoring fans applaud him and love him wherever he goes. And now he's had hypnotherapy. Yes, indeed. This is the news that global star Sam Smith used to struggle so badly with OCD. He filmed himself going through daily rituals before leaving home. And I'll quote the article. Speaking to GQ, the star behind the Spectra James Bond theme tune says, I had to film myself flicking off every plug and checking every tap. I had a fear if the house I was going to flood or burn, I would have proof I had nothing to do with it. And Sam has now conquered the condition thanks to hypnotherapy. There's not much detail given other than he cured it and conquered it thanks to hypnotherapy and that's that. Um, But that's lovely news as far as I'm concerned and it's a great promotion for our field. Um, So I thought I'd offer up an upbeat return for hypnosis in the news this time round, eh? Links to these stories are listed under this week's podcast entry on www.hypnosis-weekly.com. So next up, we have this week's professional discussion then. I welcome back Glenn Gowdy and I ask him about his work with sportsmen, women and teams, examining his approach and his experience. Here is this week's professional discussion with Glenn Gowdy. Enjoy. <laughs> So I'm delighted to welcome back now this week's guest, Glenn Gowdy. Um, as I was describing and as I was discussing earlier, Glenn came and gave a really popular presentation to the hypnotherapy peer support group that I uh, that I run each quarter down here on the south coast of England. Um, and, and so I was really keen to to welcome him here and and invite him here to to come and speak about some of those. Some of those things that he mentioned, one of the key themes that he also did talk about and covered that, that, that I loved was this idea of focused attention and how to focus attention within uh, within sports applications of hypnosis. In particular, because a lot of people associate focused attention in and of itself with hypnosis anywhere Um Glenn, could I ask you a bit about that? Um, um for anybody listening to to talk to them a little bit about what what that actually means, what I'm talking about here and how it's relevant and useful within sports.
1: Yeah, so with um with a lot of sports, particularly um ball sports, yeah, you've got you've got that element of the ball being the central theme to the to the game. So in a in a in terms of a sport such as such as football it's a it's a constant moving sport the ball's pretty much in play most of the time mm. um so for for certain players there's there's not a huge amount of time where you can actually start to to lose attention or focus within the game because it's so consistent and it, the 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 motion is is so um consistent yeah with certain sports, though, I'd like to call them still still ball sports. There is periods where your focus and attention can can waver slightly. If you imagine a golfer who's popped the ball on the tee, the the, the ball's not going anywhere until the golfer performs the act of the swing mm-hmm. um, and gets the club face square, or you know, impacts some part of the club onto the ball before it then moves. So there's periods of time where where the golfer can start. Losing attention, losing focus, uh, and become gripped with with thoughts that are unresourceful and not linked to the game. Uh, you yeah. know, and, and equally, uh, a ball sport such as cricket. Although the ball is moving towards you, there are extended periods of time where a batsman, for example, can can switch off, um, which is fine. But it's been having that ability to to switch back on. Um, and be focused and, and attentive to the ball coming at you.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially when you see how fast some of those guys throw it. Especially if you've got Joel Garner racing down, uh, racing down the pitch at, at you, um, ready to bowl the ball in your direction. I'm guessing you want to be paying attention at that point. <laughs> So you, you certainly do uh,
1: i think even even um, from from my Australian viewpoint and my uh, my Australian cricket cap on someone like Mitchell Johnson running at you bowling yeah. at ninety miles an hour um, yeah. can can certainly impact um, not only your mindset but how you how you look um, as a result of of getting hit perhaps by the ball yeah um, so where where this this enhanced focus and, and attention um, is linked with 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 hypnosis. Um, you know, if I'm working with a client, and I have worked with with several clients who are cricket batsmen. Yeah, there is a the, you know there is a the need to to switch off in between balls because you can you know a, a very good batsman can bat for up to a couple of hours. So to be consistently concentrating on on the ball can actually be quite draining and detrimental to to performance. Mm. So within hypnosis, we we set up. Um, you know, an on and off switch. So that could be some form of trigger that, perhaps, you know, ripping the Velcro off off the glove and, and resetting that could be the the trigger for the, the batsman to then, you know, switch on um, back onto the focus and the attention of the ball coming towards them. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, in between balls, there's situations where they can use imagery to to you know think of the next the next ball and how they're going to to work on that. Um, also installing sort of, you know, the positive cognitions linked with linked with the sport because, yeah. you know, certain sports, you, you, you know, you will be successful. But there are a number of sports where you have, uh, you know, more failures than you have success. So yeah. it's that ability to, you know, to, um, to deal with that, to be resilient mm. um, and to learn from it and, you know, and, and, and use it in a, in a positive fashion.
0: Yeah, 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 and and I mean, talking about positive fashion. One of the other things I remember you you, you, you discussing and covering um, um in some depth in in the lecture, the presentation that you gave. Um, was that about positive self talk and and communication with oneself within the sporting environment? Um, um would you mind um, just explaining some of the approach with regards to that?
1: Yeah, within within the hypnosis context, um, we would uh, we look to install. Um, some form of uh, receptiveness to to knowing when when perhaps negative self talk or negative cognitions perhaps will will step in or play a part mm. you can imagine a golfer perhaps playing playing a bad shot mm. um, and i 'm not sure um, how many of your listeners play play golf but it's can be an incredibly frustrating sport particularly after you know you hit one good shot and you think you've 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 nailed it you've got the game sussed yeah and then the next the next shot is completely different now what separates perhaps the the higher handicap golfers to you know the lower lower handicap golfers is that ability to to acknowledge that there is an element of frustration in the game to acknowledge when you know perhaps negative self talk might kick in and then look to to stop that immediately or yeah. In fact, you know, there, are, there could be the need for that negative self-talk, but there is, theres there's got to be a cut-off switch. So perhaps yeah. the golfer, you know, is frustrated for no more than, you know, 10 yards walking towards the next shot. So yeah. there's that ability to, okay, I acknowledge this. It, it has happened. You know, okay, we move on now. I, I don't think sports people can, you know, live in a sort of a fairyland where we, everything's happiness and sunlight and rainbows i think there is you know there is an element of you know firmness about yourself but knowing that there is you know there is a time to to turn that off yeah and then and bring in the self-talk the 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 self you know the positive self-talk
0: yeah yeah um um, I, i i raised a bit of a sort of wry grin um to myself earlier on when you were talking about um you know, people needing some ongoing concentration within certain ball sports, um, in particular with with regards to football, because um, um, a lot of uh, a lot of the sort of high level footballers, some of the some of the the, the, the the sort of tabloid coverage they get would uh, w- would often lead me to think that these are people very very much incapable of actually ever concentrating for more than two seconds at a time um and and i know that you've worked um and and studied um a great deal within um within the, the 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 football world and the football community and i know you've written a book with regards to that um one of the things that you that you spoke about and one of the things that i know that features within the book is this idea um um of, of and this notion of controlling the uncontrollable. Um, um, could you talk a little bit, or, or, or rather, people attempting to control the uncontrollable? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I know there's a chapter on your book on that subject, and that's something that I find to be so key and so useful, you know, especially when I'm working with runners who, you know, perhaps conditions aren't favoring them and they get down in the dumps. I'm um, recognizing, you know, the. the, the There's nothing you can do with regards to those conditions, you know. Um, Mm. um, Earlier this year, I ran Edinburgh Marathon, and I was on for a personal best about to smash my best time out of sight. And at 18 miles, the wind changed, the direction of the course changed, and it was a matter of just just get home safely. Um, um, And, and, you know, I beat myself up a bit afterwards, um, um, but I took some really valuable lessons and learnings from your own teaching on that subject. Um, um, would you mind just expanding upon that a bit?
1: Yeah, what what led to to the research behind the book is that I that I've worked for for quite a period of time within the semi-professional game of, of football here in here in in, in the UK. Yeah, um, and I've brought my own experiences as a, as a as a player along, but as as a coach and as a you know I've worked as a manager and also an assistant manager of teams. I I'm interested in in what. What players use as as either an excuse or some form of um, you know frustration within their within their own games, and you know within within one to one talks with certain players, I you know I, I emphasize the need for them to control what they can control, mm. um, you know, and I'll go through some of the things that I feel that you know sports people, but in this case, footballers can control, which will help promote them, um, you know, to be in the most a positive state that, that that they can be for for games,
0: mm.
1: so they they can control things such as you know their diet, what they what they eat, what they drink, um, the, you know their their preparation before games, um, how much sleep they get, um, their sleep hygiene, t- things like that are important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know their their fluid intakes. They can control their their training efforts, how much they put in, how much they um, maybe mess about in training. Um, you know, they can also control their physical condition, whether that be in the cardiovascular sense or, in a in, you know, in a conditioning type of sense. And they can also control uh, their excitement levels. Um, what, you know, what what I find and my colleagues within football will find that you go into some dressing rooms and there's, there's a lot of excitement, um, which could be masking anxiety. Um, yeah. And there are times where the dressing room could be quite, Quiet and and neither are a negative thing. It's just being able to know, you know, whether players are too excited or perhaps they're slightly under-motivated. But the the player themselves can control that. That's something that they control from from within. in In terms of things that they they can't control, you mentioned you know the wind change in in the marathon, and um, you know that can happen in a game of football. You might be kicking uh, against the wind the first half. You yeah. get into the dressing room. You come out the second half. The wind's turned around. It's blowing back in your face. Mm. You, you know, as a player, as a team, as a management team, we can't control that. We have to, we have to deal with that. Um, you know, and, and things like the pitch conditions, players can't control, control that. That's that's not, not down to them. Mm. And, and obviously the weather, um, their their opponent, they can't control what their opponent can do. That they can influence what their opponent might do by. Mm know using um techniques and tactics but they can't control that uh, but one of the things that's you know that players must really understand is that they can't control the referee and they can't control the officials
0: mm. yeah yeah of course of course um, um I, I you know i'm fascinated by that um i'm um, Telescope within the book then um, um could you could you would you mind sharing perhaps um um one or two of the sort of key themes that feature in the book that could also perhaps be extended to other other sports as well as football
1: yeah uh, along with you know controlling the controllable that that for me crosses a broad spectrum yeah. of sports yeah um you know we could we could break down a whole host of sports across the board adam and there are a variety of things that people can control. And you probably see that, you know, there's a central theme behind much, much of it. Um, you know, so learning how to control the controllable for me is, is important. Yeah. And it, it plays a massive part in, in sporting performance. I'm a, I'm a big believer obviously in, in using positive self-talk, um, and, and being able to acknowledge when, you know, negative thoughts do kick in. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm a a massive believer that, um, you know, visualization and um, imagining future performances is so important for for all sports. Um, And I'm, I'm very fond of performers and sports people not just imagining the perfect game, but imagining situations where maybe they're feeling a little bit lacklustre or, you know, things aren't going well for them. Um, you know, they may have played a few bad shots or a few bad passes and and visualising themselves overcoming that. Yeah. So, you know, we can visualise perfect performances, but I don't think there's such a thing as a perfect performance. There's always yeah. going to be something that you can improve on. Yeah. But if you're aware that there will be barriers and, you know, challenges within, within your sport and, and visualising that and imagining overcoming that and achieving success from that I think you can programme yourself so that when these things do occur um, it's not unexpected you know a, a footballer is going to get a bad bad bubble they're going to yeah. get a bad bounce you know a golfer is going to pick the wrong club um, you know a cricketer is going to play and, and nick it into the slips it's, it's going to happen and yeah. um, you just need to, you know, look at ways that you can overcome that and and take that beyond that and move that further into into your games. Yeah, um, yeah. And also, also, um, you know, I really, really encourage a lot of my clients and also the the players that I work with to to model, you know, successful successful people, athletes, players. Um, you know, we're we're really blessed in this day and age that. You can you can turn on your um, you know your satellite television and pretty much every sport is is on television. Yeah. So you know you can you can record a game of football and just watch a particular player who plays in your position and you know see what they do, model what they what they do, how they perform. Yeah. Um, you know, and cricketers, golfers, tennis players, the list is endless. Yeah. So I think you know it's important that we use these other resource, resources to to our best effect.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I love. I mean, th- th- there's so much you've packed into there that is uh, that is that is useful. I-, I love this idea of not just going for ultimate dream outcomes, but sometimes also, you know, being realistic. I know that within the field of rational emotive behavior therapy, for example, one of the the, the techniques Albert Ellis used to do was was to have his clients imagine the absolute dream outcome. Um, with regards to something that could possibly happen in their life, and then with this in relation to the same thing, to have them imagine the absolute worst nightmare, the worst case scenario, and then to establish and realize that you know the that the most realistic thing that 's likely to happen is somewhere in the middle um, um, and, and have them be rational about it, and so on um, mm-hmm. um, I really rather like that notion mm-hmm. um, um i um um, I want to thank you, Glenn, for coming on and discussing that um, We'll put a link to the book as well because you know I think it's an excellent book for anybody interested in any of these topics um, um, to discuss that and um, and have a read and have a look at that um, should they wish. Um, um, thank you ever so much for your time and for uh, uh, for, for, for sharing so much with us today i'm um, um, Glenn Gowdy, everybody Thank you. Adam I really enjoyed that discussion, some fascinating information there. Um, A link to Glenn's personal website and his specialist sports website feature at the Hypnosis Weekly page for this particular episode. Our hypnosis fact of the week is a quick one or two. This podcast has hit the front page of Google searches for the term hypnosis. Hypnosis. This is the golden egg of the hypnosis world as far as search engines are concerned and would not be possible without our listeners and guests, so thank you. We are also currently the most popular hypnosis podcast on iTunes. Granted, this is not challenging mainstream podcasts for listeners, but we're delighted with both of these facts. As temporary as they're likely to be, we'll revel in them for now anyway. If you yearn for the actual hypnosis related factoids and you pine for the fact that I offer up each week here, do go follow me at Twitter or Facebook as I offer up an evidence based hypnotherapy meme each week which has a fact for you to consume and enjoy. I'll be back with another of our usual facts as of next week. At Twitter I'm just Adam Eason, all one word, and Facebook I'm hypnotist Adam. I do have many more exciting guests that are welcome to Hypnosis Weekly in coming weeks. We'll be discussing, debating, celebrating, and above all, remaining friends. And to repeat, all the references made in the discussions, along with related links, are posted at each episode on the Hypnosis Weekly website, www.hypnosis-weekly.com. I'll be back next week and I'll be interviewing Tim Cummins. Yes, the original Mr. Motivator, creator of the verbal surgery. And I'll be discussing positivity and motivation with him. And I will share with you, uh, I will share with you all what thing it is that I carry around in my wallet every day and have done for several years since Tim gave it to me in an East London pub. I absolutely welcome your thoughts, comments, suggestions and questions, so do please message me or add them on the Hypnosis Weekly website and I'll make sure they are addressed, answered and explored accordingly. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else, really help us reach the hypnosis field. Thanks again to Glenn Gowdy, this week's guest, and my thanks to you, as always, for tuning in. My name is Adam Eason, this has been Hypnosis Weekly. Until next time, goodbye for now. I'm mm-hmm.